Well, uh, good morning, uh, church. It is good to uh, be coming to you uh, this morning. I hope you all are well. Um, I miss you a lot. This is, uh, I think, we're about a month into uh, this quarantine uh, lockdown in the middle of kind of coronavirus. It was announced this week. It'll be at least another three weeks, and then they'll review it again. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what that means uh, as far as us gathering together physically uh, together. When some of these restrictions are lifted, they may restrict numbers of gatherings and things like that. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I miss you uh, preaching in this empty space uh, without all of your faces here uh, is, is less than ideal by, by all means. But uh, we're doing the best that we can uh, in the midst of really an age of crisis. And uh, I realize not everybody listening uh, in this morning, joining with us might be a Christian, might not be a follower of Jesus. And so if that's you this morning and you're here to kind of uh, checking things out, uh, let me just say you're very, very welcome. And uh, I'm glad that you are. Um, and for those of us that are followers of Jesus as well, um, we're starting a new series. I, I hope that will really be applicable to anybody listening in. Uh, and the name of our, our series that we're starting today is called Living by the Spirit in an Age of Crisis. Uh, how do we actually live? Um, we believe that following Jesus leads us into a life of flourishing, um, a life of, of peace and love, of hope. And uh, we looked at the, the hope of the resurrection over the last couple of weeks. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to look at things like love in a time of isolation, joy in a time of despair, faith in a time of uncertainty. Um, but this morning, I want to uh, we're going to look to the scriptures and think about how we can have peace in an age of anxiety. Um, in the passages that were read this morning, um, we find, uh, especially the passage in John, we find Jesus' disciples right after the resurrection. Um, the last couple of weeks uh, over Easter and Palm Sunday, we've been looking at the resurrection. And, and here now Jesus ha has been resurrected, um, but his disciples haven't seen him yet. And we find them locked away in a room and they're afraid, they're fearful. Um, they've locked the doors because they're afraid for their life. They're afraid that the same people that killed Jesus might be coming after them as well. Um, and that's uh, a pretty good reason to be anxious, isn't it? Um, in First Peter, uh, Peter's writing to those that are exiled. They're dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. And they're either being persecuted or they're under the threat of persecution. Um, people who would have been anxious, fearful, um, uncertain about their future. And both of those contexts have followers of Jesus feeling the same way. Namely, anxious, um, fearful. They're not marked by restful peace at all. Um, and in many ways, this is how we find the world that we live in, even before the pandemic, even before coronavirus, but certainly all the more now. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue today. Uh, in the UK, it's somewhere between 18 to 20% of people that say that they suffer with um, feelings of anxiety. It's, it's by far our most common mental health issue that we face. Um, and, and anxiety really is, as we think about, well, what does that mean? How do we, de how do we define that? It's, it's essentially what we feel when we're worried, when we're tense, when we're afraid, particularly about things that pertain to the future, things that we think might happen or are about to happen or could happen in our future. Um, and we experience these, um, we experience anxiety in our thoughts, in our feelings, and even sometimes it manifests in physical sensations as well. Um, and we worry about all sorts of things, don't we? We're anxious about a litany of different things. We worry about our future plans. Um, certainly, 
This is uh, the, the pandemic that we find ourselves in has thrown everybody's plans, um, whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you felt like you had lots of plans or not many, um, everybody has been untouched, uh, has been touched by this. No one is left untouched. All of us, our, our future plans over the coming months, our summer, into this year, maybe even next year, have all um, had shadows of doubt on them. As many of you know, uh, our plans were to move to Los Angeles at the end of June. Uh, we still feel like that's where God's calling us to, but the timing of that is certainly up in the air. And we're not really sure if we'll still stick to that timeline or if, if you'll be stuck with us a little bit, a little bit longer. We worry about employment, our financial security, love, loneliness. Uh, we worry about flying. Now we worry about being in crowds. We worry about our health. And now we add global pandemics to that list. We worry about not just ourselves and our future, but we worry about other people, people we love and care for. Uh, we worry about the vulnerable uh, people of our society. We worry and we're anxious about most things a lot of times. And anxiety and fear and worry are these feelings uh, that all of us are well acquainted with at some point in of our, uh, of our life. And, and we all long for, it has us all longing for peace, doesn't it? Um, uh, I, I've had to wrestle with, with these feelings of anxiety, especially through uh, this, uh, this last month. Uh, worry, fear, uncertainty, all of these things. Um, and, and, and when we feel these feelings of anxiety, well, we have to do something with them, right? And we long for them to abate. We long for them to, uh, to, to ease. We long just to have kind of peace of mind. I don't know about you, but there have been times even through this last month where my sleep has been restless for no real apparent reason. Um, and it's just those kind of background kind of feelings of anxiety or, or things that your mind is, is working on um, in your subconscious. We all long for peace. Um, but what is the peace exactly that we're looking for? And I think it's important that we define that this morning because our culture widely kind of dis describes peace as a freedom from disturbance, an absence from disturbance, um, a feeling of tranquility. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that that's possible for most people, even at the best of times, to be completely free from disturbance in our life. Um, I think coronavirus has issued in probably or confirmed an, an age of anxiety that we live in. There is much that we feel exposed to or vulnerable to um, and is causing anxiety in us. And so how do we have peace in a time of anxiety? Um, and thankfully, the Lord hasn't left us alone. He hasn't. Um, he, he has given us his word. He has given us instructions. He's given us uh, confidence that we can have peace even in the midst of of anxiety, an age of anxiety, um, where the whole world around us seems fragile, it seems vulnerable, uh, that we actually can have a peace that lasts through the middle of that. So as we look to John chapter 20, um, if we turn there, um, uh, if, if you're on the, if you're following on online on the notes tab, um, we should have the scriptures that are on there as well. If you don't have them or if you have a device or a Bible that's handy. Um, in John chapter 20, um, we find Jesus has risen from the dead, as we saw uh, last week. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene, and now he's going to appear to his 12 disciples uh, that are here. And it says in verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace 
be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, So let's look at this text. We're going to look at a few other texts as well um, to help us see how that we can have peace in an age of anxiety. And the first thing that we see here is that we can have peace through Jesus' presence. Jesus came and he stood among them. It's interesting. Here they are. They've locked themselves into a door. um, And yet somehow Jesus in his new resurrected body, a glorified body, is able to pass through those, those doors, those walls. He's able to appear and he's able to be physically present among them. He stands among them. And his first things that he says to them is peace be with you. Peace, shalom. You can have peace. Why? Because I'm here. Now think about this. They think Jesus is dead. They've watched him be crucified. Um, he's, he's been buried in a tomb. How can this be? How can this be? And, and Jesus shows them that it's really him. It's the evidence of him. He shows them the scars on his hand. He shows them the wound from the spear on his side. This isn't just the Jesus that, that they had known before. This is the Jesus that had overcome death. He had overcome death, which now puts them in a whole different kind of category. Because now the question that, that, that we can ask is, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? Um, Is it death? Even if it is, if that's the worst thing that could happen, that we could lose our life, Jesus comes and says, peace. Peace be with you. For I've overcome the world. I've overcome death. Death isn't something that you now need to be afraid of. Look at the wounds on my hands. Look at the spear uh, that pierced through my Aside into my heart where, where blood and water come flowing out. And yet here I am and I stand among you. It's his resurrection presence that brings peace to his disciples. This is the same God when he's, when the announcement of his birth comes, the angel says, you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was Jesus's intentions from the very beginning that he would come as, as a man embodied in flesh but the presence of God among his people. It is God with us. And so often we can ask questions like, well, why, if God is this powerful, if God can overcome death, why is there still suffering in the world? Why would God allow this kind of suffering? Why would God allow people to die of disease and things like that? Um, Tim Keller reminded uh, me of a few things this week. Um, And one of those things is one, we don't know um, if, we we don't know those reasons. But if you have a God who's powerful to stop death and disease, he might have reasons beyond our knowing of why he's not stopping those things right away. He might have purposes and plans beyond our imagination, beyond what we could understand those things to be. Um, But one of the purposes of those things or one of the reasons can't be because he doesn't care about us. It can't be because he doesn't love us. And what Jesus does is show them the proof of that. He shows them the nail pierced hands, his uh, his, his wound of his side, his evidence um, that he came and he suffered with us. God doesn't come in his absence. He's not distanced from our suffering. He didn't wind up the world, let it suffer as he stand backs and watches. No, he enters into, he comes near. It is his resurrection presence with us in the midst of our suffering that brings peace. 
Jesus is able to sympathize with us. He is present among us. And it's his presence that brings his peace with us. Um, I can, I've, I've, I've shared this before. Uh, I'll share it again um, as I was recovering or go, actually going through cancer treatment uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, it, was, it was really in those moments um, where I had no physical resources left uh, of my own. I was emotionally kind of wiped out and, and spent. And uh, I, I would wake in the middle of the night and um, I, I would, my wife would be sleeping and I'd be awake on my own. And in those moments were some of the most powerful moments of me feeling God's presence. Um, and it, it was just a reminder that he was there, that he was present, that he was with me in the midst of all that I was going through. And I never got a sense or a promise from God that he was going to heal me in the midst of that. I never uh, was assured that, that, hey, this, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to take care of everything. But what I was assured of in the midst of all of that was that he was with me and that he loved me. Um, and I knew that this was a God uh, who would be with me, um, regardless of the circumstances and how I thought they should end or how I wanted them to end. I knew that God had a purpose and a plan and that he was reminding me of his presence and his care for me in, in, in some of my um, most anxious times. And so here is Jesus. He comes among his disciples, reminding them that he is there, that he is present. Um, and we have our sovereign God. Um, but it's a sovereign God who comes near. Um, as the book of Hebrews reminds us, Jesus is, is our high priest who can sympathize with us in every way because he has experienced it too. Um, it's just a few chapters before this that we see Jesus in the garden with his disciples, right? And the, the, the scripture describes Jesus being troubled in spirit. He's distressed. He is uh, sorrowful to the point where he wants his friends to be near him, to pray with him. He's troubled. It's, it's a description of Jesus feeling the same things that we feel as we're uh, anxious, uh, uh, fearful, troubled, distressed, sorrowful. This isn't a naive kind of um, uh, piece that Jesus offers that, hey, everything will be fine. Um, you know, it all works out in the end, uh, almost kind of like innocent child, kind of uh, naive kind of faith. No, this is a faith that, that knows pain, that has entered into the suffering of the world with us. This isn't a naive peace. Worldly peace, as we've said, is really the absence of disturbance, but godly peace, the presence that Jesus brings with, uh, the, the peace that Jesus brings with his presence isn't an absence of disturbance. It's peace in the midst of disturbance. It's in the midst of turmoil. It's in the midst of our troubles and suffering that Jesus brings peace and he brings it with his presence. The second way we know that we can have peace is that we can have that by trusting the Father in his purposes. Notice in the passage, Jesus reassures them. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He offers them peace, but he reminds them of the bigger plan and purposes that the Father had. The Father had sent Jesus into the world for a specific purpose. And post-resurrection, now Jesus is, is giving his disciples peace. And he says, for the same reason, as the Father sent me, now I'm going to send you. You can have this peace because the purposes and plans of God are still unfolding. You think the devil thought, the world thought that my crucifixion and burial was the end of God's plan. It was just the beginning. It was the central piece of God's plan. It was the focus of his plan. And because of that now, I can give you peace as I send you out. We can have peace trusting in the Father's plan. 
the Father's plan is encapsulated in one of the most famous verses of the Bible, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17, right after that, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God sends his son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. And now Jesus sends us in the same way. There is purpose in our life, even the hard parts that cause us anxiety. There's purpose in that. God is unfolding his plans and his purposes. The cross, the suffering that causes Jesus to experience this um, uh, troubled heart, this anxious kind of moment in the garden. But what does he do with that? Jesus experiences anxiety, but he takes it to the Father. He submits himself to God's purposes and his plan. The very thing that was causing Jesus his anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane was the plan from the very beginning. And he submits himself to God's purposes and plan in that moment. God gives him um, the strength to endure. He gives him the peace to endure. A plan to save and not condemn. Notice how Jesus comes among his disciples and notice his, his first words to them are words of peace be with you. He doesn't come to condemn them. He's not like, where's Thomas? Why isn't Thomas here? We know that Thomas isn't here because the next section tells us that. And Thomas is doubting. The disciples then go to tell Thomas that we've seen the risen Lord. He's like, I don't believe it. I won't believe it until I actually put my hands, put my finger in the, the nail marks of his hands until I can actually see his pierced side. Jesus, when he sees Thomas, invites him near. He invites him to actually see the scars and the wounds. He doesn't condemn him. Even Peter, the first time Jesus sees Peter after the resurrection, he isn't like, Peter, yo, what's up? What's up with you denying me three times? He doesn't at all. It's peace be with you. And we see as we read on, he actually, he actually cooks, uh, he barbecues fish on the breakfast for Peter and the other disciples. He takes Peter aside and he restores him into ministry. He says, Peter, you're not a fisherman of uh, a fish anymore. You're to be a shepherd. You're to feed my sheep. And he restores him gently to ministry. One of my favorite passages in the scripture is the Gospel of Luke. I think it's chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus. This is after uh, Jesus has been crucified, the resurrection. But a few of his disciples uh, are walking away from Jerusalem. They're going back to Emmaus and, and Jesus kind of comes alongside of them in his resurrected body. He, he's able to kind of uh, disguise himself. They don't recognize him uh, in his, his glorified kind of body uh, until he wants them to. And uh, they're distraught, they're sad. Um, they're, they're no doubt anxious, fearful, uncertain about their future. And Jesus comes alongside of them and he asks them why they're troubled. And they're like, have you been living in a cave? Do you not know what's happened in Jerusalem the last week? They crucified our Lord. And Jesus just gently through the scriptures, uh, through all the Old Testament reveals that all of these things were unfolding God's plan of a Messiah that would come, be crucified, resurrected on their behalf. And they invite him to stay with him. Uh, they break bread. And in this communion with Jesus, he opens their eyes. They're able to see who he is. Um, and they're like, didn't our hearts burn as he explained those things to us? It's Jesus. He comes. He comes with the reassuring presence of the Father's plan. He doesn't come to condemn. He comes to save. And he communes with them. 
And this is what the peace of Jesus can, can do to us. It can inflame our kind of cold, worried hearts, hearts that are, are, are hard and, and anxious. He comes and he fans them into flame. He warms our hearts with his communion, reminding us of through scriptures, through, through, from Genesis all the way through of God's plan and how Jesus is at the center of that plan. He reorients our minds, our hearts, he re, um, recasts the vision that God has that is far bigger than any of the things that we are anxiety um, uh, fueled for. The third thing that we see here then is that we can have peace through the Spirit's power. Uh, I love this passage because it's just the fullness of God in the Trinity. It's a very Trinitarian passage here. We see Jesus coming. Um, he's reminding them that the Father has sent him and then he's going to empower them with the Spirit. And he says uh, to them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit as he breathes on them. He breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Um, we're told, Paul tells us in Galatians, that peace is actually a product of the Spirit being within us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus even promised to his disciples this before his crucifixion. Obviously, they didn't understand all these things at the time. But in John chapter 14, uh, 25 to 27, Jesus said this to them. He says, these things I, I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but a helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus told him this is what would happen. I'm going to leave. I've spoken to these things to you while I'm here. But, but when I leave, the Father's going to send a helper. He's going to send a, a, a helper in my name, the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit is going to teach you. He'll remind you of things that I've said to you. And what's the result of that then that Jesus is leaving them with? He's not just leaving them with his Spirit, but that results in peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But he wants them to be reminded it's not as the world gives. The peace that I give to you and the way that I give it to you is not how the world does it. It's through the Spirit. It's through the power of the Spirit. And Jesus will remind us that this is the very same Spirit. Paul reminds us, the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now the Spirit that produces fruit in you and I. It's not peace the way that the world gives it to us. This is a peace that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We are resurrection people. If we're followers of Christ, we live this side of the resurrection. We're relying on the Spirit's power, not our own. And so all the, all the kind of worldly ways that we try to overcome our anxiety, um, self-medication or distraction, entertainment, all these things are not the ways that we're going to find peace. We're going to find peace given to us through Christ, through His Spirit. And so that kind of does beg the question, though, doesn't it, though? Why then, if this is the case, do we so often live without this peace at times? I know there, there are times where, um, where I felt this kind of anxiety and it hasn't, um, it, uh, it, 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 it has revealed things in my life in ways that I'm not depending on the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to our passage in 1 Peter 5 um, um, that we have read as well. So, um, if we'll turn there to 1 Peter 5, again, um, it should be on, on the screen for you as well um, in the notes section. So 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. 
Paul says this to, or Peter says this to us. Humble, your, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper, proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, there's several things that are correlating together here. The first thing he says is that we're to humble ourselves, and we do that by casting all our anxieties on him, on him. Him in this passage is God under the mighty hand of God. We're to cast all of our cares on him. And notice it says casting all of your cares. That's important because it's a present participle. Basically, that means it's an, it's an ongoing action. It's not a one-off time that we're to cast our cares on him. No, we humble ourselves casting our cares on him, continually casting um, our cares on him. And notice it's all of our anxieties. We cast all of our anxieties on him. The casting correlates with humility. It's humility. We have to be humble to cast our anxieties on him, to entrust our anxieties on him. The word literally means to throw our anxieties upon him. But that takes humility because offering your anxieties to somebody else means that you're entrusting them to be able to do something with that. Um, I heard uh, a pastor give a, an example of, of this really by using an illustration of when we fly. Um, when you fly, some people are, are nervous flyers. They're kind of fearful of flying. Um, and you can sit there and you can worry and you can be anxious. Uh, but really, what, what exactly is it that we plan on doing? By being anxious, in some ways, we're revealing that we don't really trust the pilot. We don't really think he's up to scratch to be able to get us through uh, the flight. And so when he comes on and the pilot says, you know, we've reached our cruising altitude of 38,000 feet, uh, you know, the little spiel that they do. And then they always say the same thing, right? So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. And we have a choice to, to do that, to trust the pilot. Um, that He will actually bring us through um, and we can sit back and we can relax and, and enjoy the flight. Or we can be anxious and worry and try to fly the plane from 38C. Um, and I know that analogy breaks down at some point, but it does give us a little bit of an idea of what it means to throw our anxieties on somebody else. Um, I'd be way more anxious trying to fly that plane than I would be to trust a pilot to be able to do that. It's, it takes humility to sit back and relax and enjoy the flight, doesn't it? It takes a, a level of humility. It takes a level of saying, I'm, I'm not in control of this plane. I don't have the, the facilities, the resources, the expertise to be in control of this plane. And I have to trust the one who does. But often we want to take control of our lives, don't we? And it's that loss of control. It's that uncertainty that often brings up so much of our anxiety. We want to take control of things, usually the things that are way beyond us. And our anxiety really reveals that we're out of our depth. We're out of our depth within this. Um, there's a story of an anxious person in Luke chapter 10. Um, if you'll remember the story, it's, it's Jesus. He comes, he comes to his friends and um, you've got Mary and Martha that are there. And Mary chooses to sit at Jesus's uh, feet and she's listening um, to his teachings and she's spending time with Jesus. She's engaging with him. And Mary is uh, taking care of hospitality. Um, and she's, there's other people that are there as well. And, and she's busied herself trying to serve the Lord, trying to serve other people that are there within the house. And she's become frustrated because Martha's not helping. Uh, or Mary's not helping. And so Martha comes to Jesus and she says, 
are, are you not going to tell uh, my sister to, to help me? Um, I, I'm doing all of this by myself and she's not here to help me. And Jesus's response to Martha is this. He says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Man, that's a word for us today, isn't it? So many of us are anxious or troubled about many things. And he says to her, only one thing is necessary. Of all the things that you're worried about, of all the things that you're troubled about, there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which won't be taken away from her. He says, Mary has chosen the thing that's actually the most necessary. You're troubled, you're anxious, you're running around trying to take care of so many things. Mary has chosen to abide with me. Um, and this is really uh, insight into how the posture of our heart needs to be. The heart of Mary needs to be our posture, even in service to God. That doesn't mean we need to be passive. That doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing. There are things that need to be done, of course, but it's that posture of the one thing that's necessary is abiding with Christ. And it's that posture that allows us to serve the Lord without being bitter toward those who choose a less frantic life. This is the pastor's paradox, but it, it is for all Christians as well, right? Um, our preoccupation for what we do for Jesus has the potential to rob us of time spent with Jesus and the companionship and intimacy of Jesus. We've put a lot of emphasis on this within our staff and staff meetings. We've talked about this and leadership development within the church of abiding with Jesus, of him leading us into being the right kind of people. And it's our abiding with Jesus that creates a non-anxious presence um, that we then are able to take with us, that we are able to, to lead out of. And the presence of anxiety is directly related to the absence of abiding with Jesus, of time with Jesus. We see this in the Mary-Martha kind of divide, isn't it? One is chosen to be with Jesus and is free of anxiety, is free of many things troubling her. Mary has chosen uh, to busy herself, even in service to the Lord. She still loves the Lord, um, but it's resulted in anxiety and troubled about many things. Uh, Augustine says it this way. He says, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. That's so true. Only in God will we find rest for our hearts. But so often we try to find peace apart from God. We try to distract ourselves. Um, so many, we have so many opportunities for distraction. I don't know about you, but um, one thing that... Uh, having to work with screens. Um, you're, I constantly have a phone or an iPad or a camera. Uh, there's, there's a lot of screen time through, through this pandemic because that's how we have to communicate uh, now. It's how we do a lot of our work. There's so much of this can't be face-to-face. -face. Uh, but, but all those are just tools for distraction as well. Um, you're constantly wanting to kind of track what things are going on and being on Twitter or news sources, whatever it may be, it becomes a, a lot of noise. And then sometimes we want to escape that. So we look to entertainment, um, lots of opportunities for Netflix and Amazon Prime. And all, we're not short of any entertainment options. We often turn to self-medication at times and end up with addiction issues. Sometimes we just try to busy ourselves as a distraction. Um, we have our checklist, things that we want to tick off and accomplish. 
And we, busy, we just feel like we can busy ourselves. We can accomplish ourselves out of fear, anxiety, and worry. And my question for us this morning is, how's that going for us? How's that working out for you? I don't know about you, but I feel more anxious with all of these things, not less anxious. Is anxiety on the rise or is it on the decline? If all of these, if we have all of these different tools, all this different technology, why is anxiety on the rise? Are our children more or less prone to be anxious than we were? Certainly all the data, all the research in the minute says they're more prone to be anxious because of all of the technology a lot of the times. Jesus comes and he says, peace I give to you, but it's not as the world gives. And so we've got to stop looking for all the sources that our world gives to us promising peace. Jesus says, you're not going to find it there. The peace that I give to you is not as the world gives. Here's the truth. We can't often alleviate the conditions of our anxiety. Um, Those are beyond our control. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that. There's nothing we can do necessarily to control a virus out in the open. We can try to mitigate things. We can try to slow things. We can try to, but prime ministers end up in hospitals. Um, The wealthy, the poor, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what gender, it's all out of our control. But what we can do, we can alleviate those conditions of our anxiety, but we can do something when the anxiety presents itself. And that's what the scripture tells us too, that we cast, that we throw that anxiety on the Lord. Why? Why? One, because he has a mighty hand. He is sovereign. He is the one who actually is in control, who can do something about those things. But secondly, he cares for you. He's not a distant God. He's a God that cares for you. This isn't misplaced confidence. And so by casting our cares, our anxieties on the Lord, it acknowledges who he is, the almighty hand of God, almighty, all sovereign. There's nothing beyond his um, control, but it also acknowledges who we are. We are creatures. We are limited. We are finite. And so we have to acknowledge all of these things, who God is and who we are. That rightly then allows us to be humble. This is what it means to humble ourselves by casting our cares on him. Here's what the psalmist recognizes in Psalm 121. Listen to This is one of the Psalms Psalms of Ascents, Psalm 121. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Where does our help come from? Where does the help to relieve our anxiety, our worry, and our fear come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is not asleep at the wheel of your life. He is in control. He is aware. He is near. He is present. And he cares. The Lord, verse 5, is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the God that we put our anxieties on. This is the God that we give our worries and our fears to keep because he is a God who keeps us. He keeps our life. 
And if we don't believe that he cares or we have those moments of doubt, all we have to do once again is look to the cross. Jesus comes and he shows them the evidence of his love for them. God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for you, for me. Whatever's going on in your life, it's not because God doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't love you. The evidence of that is God came near, took on flesh, and suffered alongside of us. The ultimate suffering for us. And so how do we do this? How do we cast our cares as we close? How do we do that? Philippians 4, um, Paul gives us this, uh, this, this command. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We are to rejoice. We are to find our joy in the Lord. We'll talk about more of this in, in the coming weeks. That doesn't mean that we have to be happy in our circumstances, but it does mean that there's a baseline confidence in who God is, that we can find joy even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of our grieving, even in the midst of uncertainty, we can find joy. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Notice how, again, he reminds us that the Lord is present. He is near. God with us. And because of that, then, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. That word supplication just means a call for help and humility. That's literally what the word means. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the Lord is at hand. He's present. He's present. Instead of our anxiousness in everything, even the things that, that you might feel ashamed to talk about the Lord or embarrassed. Or you're like, I shouldn't feel this way. So I, I, I don't want to bring those to the Lord. I'll feel guilty if I do that. The Lord knows anyway. Um, and and how, how we feel is how we feel. And, and so we need to be honest with the Lord about those things. I feel disappointed. I feel sad. Um, I feel grieved. I feel angry. Um, about any of these things, we come and we let our requests be made known to God. Why? Because he cares. And look at the result then. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The reason we have anxiety is because there are things that we don't understand. There are things that are beyond our control. And the peace that God gives us is also beyond our understanding. And he says, that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our hearts need to be guarded in Christ. Our minds need to be guarded in Christ. And he does that by giving us peace. He takes our anxiety and he gives us his peace. Some of you want peace. <clears throat> But having given your life to, to Christ, you're not a, a follower of Jesus. And so some of you need to make peace with God to receive the peace of God. Um, and we do that by confessing our actual need for God in the first place. And that we've been trying to live a life apart of our own. Um, that we are, we've been pursuing our own interests, a life apart from God. The Bible calls that sin. And we reject that. We turn from that, realizing that God has sent his son to die in our place through the power of the resurrection is defeated death and offers us life, life everlasting um, as we follow him. Some of us who are followers of Jesus already need to stop being like Martha. We need to stop being anxious and troubled about many things and stop 
and abide with Jesus. We need to be in his presence once again. All of our checklists can wait. Jesus says there's one thing that's necessary. These other things might be important. They might feel urgent, but there's one thing that's necessary. And it's necessary for us to find the peace. We need to sit with Jesus. We need to abide with him. We need to cast all of our anxieties on him. He can handle it. And in those moments, he reassures us of his presence. He reassures us of our love, of his care for us. And he is sovereignly in control once again. And he gives us a peace, a peace that passes our understanding. That's what I long for. Um, I, I imagine that's what, what most of us are longing for in this moment. Um, there are times I forget this. I don't live out this perfectly moment by moment. I let my anxiety get on top of me at times. And that's why we have to, again, be casting. I have to humble myself once again. I have to remember who I am and give my cares over to the Lord. Not in some naive kind of way, but in a humble recognition of who he is and who I am. That I have to trust my loving father. I have to trust the pilot to fly the plane um, and to land me safely. This is who God is, and this is who Jesus reminds his followers of as he comes near to them after the resurrection. This is the same followers then that Peter writes these things. Peter went from being fearful, locking himself in a room, denying Christ, to after the resurrection, after being restored from ministry to Jesus, then writing to other followers of Jesus and saying, hey, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting all your cares on him, all of your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word that reminds us of these things. We thank you for your spirit who makes these things possible, who, who by your power um, gives us this peace. Father, for, for your ultimate plans and purposes being unfolded and revealed, even in ways that we don't understand. Father, we confess that humbly, that we don't understand uh, all of your ways, that your ways are, are far above ours. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the humility to, uh, to, to respond uh, to that by casting our anxieties on you, um, by finding our, our rest for our hearts, our minds in you as you guard them with your peace in Christ Jesus. Father, would you help us to believe that that is available to us today? May we experience that even now. Um, Father, would you help us not to run to all the other idols that we look to, um, to give us things that only you can provide, um, for us to try to find peace in the way that the world uh, tries to offer it to us and find that it is fleeting, that it's, it's temporary, it's short-lived, it doesn't last. Um, but a, Father, the, a peace that, that, that abides with us um, that passes our understanding, that guards our, our heart, our mind, that warms our heart once again um, by the truth of who you are. And Father, would you do that again for this morning? Would you give us your peace? Um, would you remind us to be people of peace as we bring that non-anxious presence to other people, as we bring the spirit of Christ near um, to other people? Father, I pray for, uh, for uh, parents um, that they would be able to lead in their homes uh, with these non-anxious presents uh, to, to, to their kids. 
Father, I pray for us as we um, have opportunities to, to talk to family or neighbors, uh, friends about this thing, that we would be able to, to also offer this peace that Jesus gives. Jesus says he's sending us out in the same way that the Father did um, to save. Um, and, and, and surely part of that is, is bringing the peace of Christ, the shalom of the kingdom of God near. Um, Father, as you are renewing all things, as you are making all things new, you call us to participate with that, to be your ambassadors. And so, Father, I pray that we would know that, that we would be people who sat at your feet, uh, that we abide with you, um, that we are, are, our hearts and souls are filled up with your peace regularly as we continually exchange uh, our anxieties for your peace, um, that we would then be that non-anxious presence out in the world uh, on Zoom calls, on FaceTime, however we're interacting, um, Father, that we would be able to, to know um, your peace, that people would see that and ask about the hope that we have, um, and that we would be able to uh, humbly say that that is not a peace that, that has come from us, um, but a peace that has come from you. Um, and Father, we pray that you would receive all the glory and honor in that during this time. We ask this in your name. Amen.